You did another book. I know. You're all over Our the second internet. baby. This is incredible. Our You're second on, baby. On events all the time. I love it. I get so excited when I see you guys on stuff. I'm like, I knew them. I knew them. <laughs> makes me happy. Here's the thing, Nicole. Yes. Um, you're officially yes. our first CEO guest. Ooh. Well, thank on, you. On the so, and also because you were, you were probably the, you were the person applying event design before it even existed, right? At the internet society. And then you infected all of your colleagues and then all sorts of yeah. stuff happened, which was cool. But this book is about design to change, elevating your it. ability to look and act beyond the now. Okay. And what we'll be doing is we're going to do two things. We're going to do an on-stage podcast with you, which has okay. just just started, literally. Okay. Right. Um, and Rul, I'm going to ask you to look up Nicole's LinkedIn profile so we tell the real story. I mean, we know the real story, but let's, mm -hmm. let's look at our LinkedIn story. Let's pretend we don't know Nicole and we would look at Nicole through the You remember me when, too, when I was like, I don't buy this stuff. This isn't, it's never going to work. It's never going to work. And then it worked. I'm like, yeah. yeah. And so the first question we're going to ask you is this one, which is the first page Hold of on, the book. Hold on, I can't. Would you leave it to A good conversation yeah. can shift the direction of change forever. Mm -hmm. Would you leave it to chance? Question one. I wouldn't leave it to chance. No, and I really think that the, the idea of, of humans connecting and conversing, right? Like, I have been struggling through this whole pandemic with people, they come to me, oh, Nicole, I need your help with an event. And I'm like, oh yeah, great. Like, this is what I do all day. I help people with events. And then they're like, yeah, it's a insert whatever non-event thing here. And I'm like, so you do realize that humans aren't actually going to be connecting, right? With that thing you just told me you need my help with. So how exactly is this? an event. And I've really had to refine this idea of, for, for me personally, not for anybody else, right? But what does, what is my personal definition of an event? And for me, I'm like, it's come down to humans interacting, engaging, conversing to try to make change, right? With themselves, with others, in their communities, in their, wherever they're operating in that event. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise I'm like, it's a TV show. It's a broadcast. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's, but it's not my personal definition of event. And it really comes down to that notion of like, are humans getting a chance to interact with each other, learn, talk, and find out something new, frankly, that then to your question leads to change. Um, and so, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't leave it to chance. Right. Um, and I, I, it's funny because in my work today, like people are like, oh, Nicole, like help me plan this event. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, let's like, let's get to it. You know, and they're like, so we're thinking about there should be a 45 minute panel and then we're gonna have a 15 minute break and we're gonna do a 45 minute keynote. And then we're thinking about having a four hour blotty blot. I'm like, whoa, like, what are you even doing? You know? And then I always ask the question, like, what is the outcome that you seek? What is the change in behavior that you want these people to engage in? And it's like my shorthand way to try to, to your point, like infect people with this thinking. Um, because otherwise, you know, we would just be pulling up an Excel spreadsheet and planning that agenda out and dropping panels in and, you know, doing whatever, right? It just is like 
moving the Legos around. It's, um, and then of course I get very frustrating and then I get sort of pissy with them and obnoxious and I get antagonistic and I try to fight with them about this to get them to be on my side. And sometimes it works, the fighting, but I need to have a better approach. I need to actually talk to these people <laughs> to your point about change. <laughs> anyway. That's a long so let's answer. let's let's do the because um, I like that that this is a preamble. If you leave things to yeah. chance, let's let's pretend people don't know Nicole uh, Wolf for a second. Yeah. Introduce her according to the LinkedIn profile of Nicole Armstrong. CMP, CMM, yeah. That's a long one. Oh, a lot of acronyms. I know. Do you think it's so, too much? I should get rid of the acronyms. <laughs> no, no. You, that's absolutely, <laughs> absolutely cool. At least keep CED, right? So um, um, so we have today um, in our podcast, Nicole Armstrong, Armstrong, and we are looking at her um, LinkedIn profile right now. We know her from a few years back, I would say, at the Internet Society, where at least our relationship started as then events manager, events management at the uh, Internet Society, uh, where um, some great events were designed by the team of Internet Society. And then she actually stayed in the Internet Society, but then she changed roles and, and took the, the position of director of stakeholder relations. And then she left the Internet Society. Oh. <laughs> Um, and she uh, and she joined uh, MicroStrategy uh, as a vice president of worldwide events, and then she became strategic events manager director. Nicole, what is it? I mean, I don't even know what the title would be. Probably senior manager. I think would be my official title at at Miter. Um, Miter, and that's that's where she is currently. But we have a, a, a long history with with Nicole, and, and Nicole is a is a certified event designer and was one of the first ones joining our class in the first class um, in 2015 in San Diego State, at San Diego State University. Cohort one. Cohort one. And um, since then we uh, we kept in, kept in contact um, and she's a, she's a strong advocate for the EDC program, but also Event Design Collective, but also a very, very nice human being where we love to chat with and we love to uh, pick her brain on, on ideas and uh, see if we could, whenever we launch something new, Nicole is the one who uh, to test things on, right? So uh, that's, uh, that's why we love you, Nicole. So um, you're very, Really, really a um, very good um, um, example of how we look at a certified event designer. So um, we would we are excited to talk to you in this podcast. Well, I'm excited to be here. It's great to chat with you guys again. I always feel like we have the most interesting conversations when we talk. So let me ask you this, uh, Nicole, because I think you're the most Dutch American person I know in terms of your directness, right? You're, you're, you can be- oh, Take that as a compliment. Yes, yes please do, please do. <laughs> Uh, we first met in Switzerland, I think, which is a very neutral place, right, with the Internet Society. Um, but you're, you are, according to your LinkedIn profile, an award-winning strategic event professional oh, with yeah. expertise in all aspects of virtual and hybrid event development, design and production. Proven ability to create and manage a diverse calendar of innovative events for increased engagement and brand awareness. Now, you create thoughtful events that deliver impact and engagement. That's all good and well for the LinkedIn profile. But what's the, the question we're going to ask you is, what's currently on your horizon of change? Hmm. What's currently on my... I think the, the biggest thing for me is, and actually it's a little bit terrifying, is um, the, the change of what's happening coming out of COVID. It's, hmm. I'm actually scared a little bit of all the unknowns that exist out there. 
um, the unknowns from the perspective of what is the trajectory of this pandemic, um, the unknowns of what has it done to our industry, um, and then how do we come out the other side of it, right, with actually some learning intact. Um, and what I mean by that is I look at it and I see people and they're like, oh, let's just go and do that thing we used to do, right? And I'm like, what are you even talking about? You know, the future is, and it's so, it seems so basic. I'm like, the future is in front of us. We can't, we can't look back to see where we want to go. We have to look forward. Um, and so it's funny when I talk to people inside of my own organization and I talk about change, I talk about event design from this perspective of, you know, where are we going? What are these outcomes that we're seeking? What is the change we desire in the people that we want to talk with, interact with, engage with, build with, drive activity with? Um, and it's so funny because people just, they're, they're, I can see them, I can feel them falling back into these old habits. And if it's not the old habit of let's just resurrect that thing that died at the beginning of 2020, it's, well, let's just run a virtual event the same way we did in May of 2020. And I'm like, no, stop. <laughs> Put some more thought into that. What are you doing? And I'm pretty pragmatic about all this stuff, right? Like, I don't, I'm not going to argue with you about like whether or not your thoughts are accurate or uh, I agree with them. I'm like, but as long as you have like, just do the work, right? Like do the work, think about your stakeholders, deeply empathize with who they are, and then pick something, have an opinion, have a strong opinion about what you want those people to do, what you want those people to be like, what that changes you want them. Um, and so that's what I'm trying to do. I call it the rise of event design, because to me, this is like our critical moment. We have every opportunity now to just grab this this world and say, shake them like by the lapels and be like, now's your chance. Yeah. Everybody can do this and we can radically transform the initial thinking that goes into our plans and basically stop all these bad events from happening. Um, so that's, that's it. And it's so funny because I used to say at the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, there are so many bad events going on right now, like from, you know, March to like June of 2020, there were like so many bad events out there. But I was like, but this isn't actually very different from before, because there were so many bad events before <laughs> COVID too. Like there were so many bad events. There's, there's still so many. And it's not like we can, you know, save them all or stop them all. But like, it, it does feel like some people really saw what they could do with this moment in time and other people i just see them sort of falling back into those those old habits and not not looking forward so wow. is that sorry is that um one of the things I, I i you said resurrect right so resurrect something old right that's something people fall back into do you, do you know why that happens do you so it's looking into someone's brain like do some autopsy here and uh, why do people do that I mean, I think there's, well, I think one, because they're not doing the work, right? They're not thinking about what they want. I think people are fundamentally lazy. I can, I can say that because I feel I'm fundamentally lazy. I think we're all lazy. We want to find the shortest cut, the fastest way to get where we think we want to go. Um, but if we're not really thoughtful and strategic about what that place is, then yeah, you're just like, oh yeah, look, look over there. There's that, I used to do that, pull it up, change the date, ta-da, we're done. Um, and that's the, you know, lazy events are the, the lazy person's way, right? Because 
even though it's incredibly expensive, incredibly time consuming, incredibly hard to launch and lift events into the world, um, there's so much swirl around them that if you're like, tell your boss, oh, I'm going to do an event. They're like, oh, wow, you know, there's going to be a lot of work that's happening and people are going to be moving things around and, you know, either physically moving things or intellectually moving things. And there'll be, you know, stuff happening. It'll be mark stuff on a calendar and it'll look like a lot mm. is happening. But if you haven't actually done the work in advance, the thinking about what is the change that you seek, nothing actually will change and you will just have turned the water for the time period that you have in your planning cycle. Um, and everybody look, it looks to everybody like something's happened when most of the time nothing's happened. So, so events could be like weapons of mass distraction, right? Oh, I love that. To actually like, you know, we create distraction to give the illusion that things are changing. Is that what bad events do? Yes, this is, I love this. That is the best thing I've ever heard. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so the, we're, we're, we're at a crossroads, Nicole. Yeah. <clears throat> you can choose to stay on the path of horizons of change, and we carry down that path, or you can spin the wheel, and we can select any of six topics that we're going to determine for you, mm -hmm. but it's completely serendipitous because we spin a wheel. Which one okay. would you like to do? Stay on the same path, horizon of change, spin or do wheel. we spin the wheel? Spin, spin the, wheel? the wheel. All right, no, let's spin the wheel. Powers. Here we go. And the wheel is actually representing... Uh, the chapters that are part of this uh, new book called Design to Change, right? Elevating your abilities to look and act beyond the now. But look at this miracle. The wheel you has just spun. It. You rigged it. Is that what you think? <laughs> it's a completely unrigged wheel. But here's the good news. Here's the good news. You can choose to spin it a second time and we remove the horizons of change. Or you can keep horizons of change and we go down that path. Oh no, let's begin. I'm trying to read these plots or sneeze process or how come perspective. So another spin? No, no, no. Let's go with it. You know what? The universe said horizons of change. How, the universe said horizons of change. We're going to go down horizons of change. Let's do it. So it said it. We're going to ask you a couple of questions regarding horizons of change, okay. which are, which are actually, um, and I'm not going to tell you what actually just came out of the next spin. I am, but just change. to tease you for maybe another one. It said <laughs> wants versus needs. That's what the other spin mm -hmm. said, the second spin. We'll keep that for maybe another okay. time. Mm -hmm. Let's take you down the rabbit hole of Horizons of Change, which is chapter mm -hmm. one in this very book. Mm -hmm. right? um, every chapter has four components. Okay. And the last part is a, is a look at, it, at events or that chapter from an executive perspective. And subsequently, there's a worksheet with a number of questions that any of the listeners to this podcast can also follow on design to change dot online. Okay. We're going to ask these questions at you or to you. Mm -hmm. And then let's, let's give them some succinct answers. Then after we complete these questions, we will send you this worksheet mm -hmm. and we'll ask you within a week to send us the answers in writing after you have time to process them even a little bit more. Okay. Okay. So here's the first question. How do you involve others? in the change you designed for? I think if I'm looking to make a quick change, so something that needs to happen in a single meeting, for and, and by meeting, I mean like literally a, a meeting, a small meeting, um, I try to direct people's thinking um, very quickly towards 
uh, outcomes and drive them towards the question, which I love to ask people um, when I need to shortchange their, uh, their current path in a conversation to mm -hmm. get them moving where I need them to go, which is what is the exiting behavior that you want these people to have? I use that question like probably daily in my meetings. So that would be like quick change. I ask that question to get people to say, oh, let me think about this from a different perspective. Um, and usually, usually it works. Sometimes it doesn't work. If people are very, very action oriented and they have um, fewer strategic thinking skills, then they have a harder time shifting to that direction. Um, longer term, I ask them to participate with me, right? So for me, it's about, look, let's engage in the process for whatever time we have. Sometimes we have an hour, sometimes we have, you know, tens of hours or twenties of hours to move through the event design protocol to really get to the heart of this, um, to get people thinking about change and also really actually changing, right? Physically changing their behavior by committing to time on their calendars. So, wow. nice one. one. So the second question is, how do the events you design become markers of change in your organization? You said markers of change. Markers of change, yes. Yeah. So I'll give you, um, I'll give you a couple of examples. Um, so one event that we. Um, and it's funny because to be honest, sometimes the change happens by accident, right? So at the beginning of the pandemic, um, we, uh, we had a certain approach to executive communication that was um, sort of a triannual process, three times a year, CEO and other executives get in front of people and tell them important things and people sit around and listen for an hour and boom, that's it. Beginning of the pandemic, we realized obviously this cadence of three times a year is going to be wildly insufficient. Um, and over the course of I want to say it was probably about six weeks. We migrated from a three times a year um, meet, interaction with the CEO to a weekly interaction with the CEO um, for 30 minutes every week. It's been going on since March of 2020. Um, and we have anywhere from now for the past 15 months, the high point was about 6,000 people a week joining us. Now it's in the sort of high 3,000s, low 4,000s every week for 15 months people are able to communicate in, a, in live with the CEO and other executives. They, uh, they join, um, hang on. One. And- uh, Maybe and that was the CEO calling. That <laughs> might have been my CEO. That was my mother, I think. I just, yes, that's my mother. Yeah, that, hang that's on your CEO, second. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Here we go. Okay. So this, um, the the reason I like the this example of the CEO update as a as an example of what can happen is some sometimes change happens by accident, and I think and I think that's okay. But sometimes it happens very intentionally, um, and the reason I like this example is because it operated on both sides of that frame, um, and it the the net result was a radical transformation in how our organization um, expects to interact with leadership. And I think that's really, that's really it, right? We went from people thinking to themselves, well, 
you know, leaders are sort of far away. I can see them only occasionally. I don't have a direct path to say to the CEO, I have a question for you and I would like you to answer it for me. And that's exactly what we have now. Um, and so it was sort of a, a two-pronged approach here where the CEO was open to, the, to a, a new approach because of course he had to, He's for, his hand is forced by COVID to respond to the need to communicate regularly with his, with his large employee base. Um, but also we had choices about what that interaction would look like, you know? And so in, it, look, I don't want to overplay my role here, but if I hadn't pressed for certain things to say, no, it needs to be a certain way, we have to have certain approaches here. Um, it could have gone a different direction and maybe would have been less engaging or it would have um, not resulted in, I think, as, as radical of a transformation of that expectation for executive engagement. Um, and so, to be fair, for good or bad, now the expectation is you can quiz the CEO every Monday if you want, for so, better or for worse. <laughs> I'm, I'm so not not entirely in that in that event you're designing, but in the process of design, how do you enable the CEO to express uh, their vision? Well, so <clears throat> let's let's not use this one then as as an example, because I think in this case the CEO's vision was just to um, make sure that he he wanted a way for his for his employees to know that. The leadership was paying attention to what was happening around them. They were responsive to the fears and concerns of the employees, and they they were going to take care of things, right? Like there was very much a sense of how do I bring um, uh, comfort, calm, security, a sense of responsibility back to my employees um, during a very scary time for a lot of people. Um, and a time when a lot was moving fast and, and our organization, MITRE actually does a lot. We did, we are doing, we did, we're doing a lot with COVID. We have incredible examples of the bodies of work that our organization engaged in. We have deep connections into the um, US government and then also tremendous amount of effort uh, in terms of our work goes into healthcare. And so all along this path of how do we take care of employees through this very tumultuous change you know, what is our work going on? And so on both fronts there, right, there's this way for, for the leadership to be responsive in terms of helping our employees understand what work we're doing, but also how we're working to take care of them through this very challenging time. Um, so so it almost sounds team, like, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. So, so it almost sounds like <clears throat> because of what happened, the way that the communication is now set up or say the vision of, um, um, enabling your CEO to express that maybe on a weekly basis or to question it on a weekly basis from, from, from the full team. Because, I mean, it's no small feat to speak to thousands of people every week, right? Every um, let me zoom out a next level, which is how do you enable them to connect the vision that they have, right, about what the organization is doing and where it's headed uh, to the event story of the fact that you're doing these weekly things and how is there something you do to connect those two things? I would say that's an area where no, we're not we're not doing enough, right? This is this is now um, it's a tool in the toolkit, and I would say to some extent um, it's lost its edge, right? And I I 
I use that analogy deliberately, right? I, I consider these things tools, events are tools, they help you do something. And in this case, this event, I would say it's ripe. It is absolutely ripe for sharpening, right? We need to take this knife and hone it again, because the things that it used to do for us, it is not doing in the same way that we want them to. Um, and so this is where, you know, this idea of, it's not just continual refinement, because I think that that emphasizes the wrong measures, right? Because sure, I can see that my attendance is dropping. We sort of are in a really slow decline here. Um, nothing that I would particularly be concerned about, but I can see that it is having less of a beneficial effect than it used to have on our, on our organization. And so what do we do about that, right? And how do we adjust that? How do we change it? How do we bring the changes that we seek? Um, whether, and this is where I would say it comes back to our strategy of, you know, really trying to create um, an organizational culture that becomes a business asset for us, right? That is an that we are actively working on that. Um, and I look at this and I'm like, well, this is one of those things, right? I would use this, use this tool, right? And use other tools that we have. This is how we do this. Events are the key here, um, but we're stymied, right? At this point, we're stymied by COVID. All of these things are happening virtually. So that ability mm -hmm. to create the human connections that we need is really challenged. And so it comes back to, right? Like, all right, what are the other, you know, how do we put these tools together, right? Can we build out Slack channels that align to this? And, you know, are there other ways to make connections to the, you know, cas communication cascade that comes below this one from the CEO call to a CIO call or a CHRO call or whomever's call um, and begin to bring some um, additional meaning to this one tool that we have that, we're, that we've been using. So that was kind of a sideways answer. No, but I think you're, your um, your example is very on point because it it was created because of an external change, right? Uh, there was a big need at first. The need might be different now that you're into this for a while. It also gives an indication of how long the tool sustains its value or how the value is being perceived over time, right? And there's a time when you need to redesign this this form of interaction to achieve what it is that maybe that stakeholder needs or other stakeholders seek from it. Very interesting. I think what I really like about your th thinking here, Nicole, is that um, <clears throat> I remember six, seven years ago, we ventured on designing a first event for the Internet Society, yeah. which was meant to open a board meeting of 16, open up to 80,000 people in a community, right? It was quite a, quite a, and it was a challenge that hadn't been done before. Strangely yeah. enough, the Internet Society and the new CEO that came in said, well, we need to do an event for our community and um, we'd like to do it for the internet, on the internet, by the internet society. So the design restriction internet was there, right? It needed yeah. to be on the internet. Six years before that, we were all condemned to just using the internet for live communications. Yeah. Reflecting back on that change or horizon of change, mm -hmm. has that helped you or how, how has that shaped you as, a, as an event designer? So I think, I mean, well, first of all, it was, instrumental, I think, working through that design process back in 2014 to, to birth that 2015 event. Um, I mean, it was, it was transformative. I, I look at different markers in my own career um, trajectory, and that was one that really was a defining moment for me. 
um, in terms of what I wanted to think about in my work and the, um, the way, frankly, that I think. So thank you for that. You gentlemen were truly transformative for me. Um, but when we got to COVID, um, I looked back on that time and I thought to myself, well, thank goodness. Thank goodness I did that. <laughs> like, we had some practice. Goodness, I know what this looks like um, because otherwise it would have been terrifying, absolutely positively terrifying to go into yeah. COVID and not have some foundation of how to build virtual events, how to understand virtual events, how to think about them, how to bring audiences together, how to push into that idea of how do I create engagement when I can't talk to somebody face to face in person, in real life. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it comes back to your original point, which is this idea of conversation, right? Like you have to, you have to create places for conversation because if you don't, then I'm sorry, you're, you're a broadcast TV producer, you're a, whatever you are, you're, you're not. And this again, then comes back to my point about what, is my definition of an event. And for me, my definition of an event is humans talking to each other. Because if they're not, then it's it's not. It's not an event. Um, and I should be a little bit more precise here because then you could be like, oh, well, this is an event, Nicole. Humans are talking to each other. No, <laughs> audience members, right? Like when this podcast goes online, I would not consider this an event because humans on the receiving end are not going to be able to, to talk to us. Um, and I probably just got myself in like slippery slope there because I'm like oh well what about like a TikTok where you know you can chit chat on the comments or whatever <laughs> like but anyway um so I think that you know that's that's part of this the, the the idea that we have to in COVID but then beyond COVID right and this is where I really hope some some of this stuff has to stick some people have to keep paying attention to the fact that the successful events during COVID, it wasn't about how many people joined online and watched your video content, pre-record, whatever, that's TV, put your stuff on Netflix, like whatever. How many people engaged, what kind of conversations happened and how did people actually change their behavior coming out of that? What happened um, that was different than before? Um, and, I, and this is where it all comes back to, right? And I, I talk about this when I pitch people the idea of going through the event design, you know, methodology, I say, look, I can tell you that this works because I've seen it work. I've experienced it. And when you can only talk about the change in non-measurable ways, that is actually the way that you can determine that something different actually happened. It's not about sales, right? It's about now an employee at MITRE has the expectation that they can talk to the CEO every Monday. That is not a, I can't be like, oh yeah, well, 75% of the employee, like, no, this is a, this is change, real actual change that's happened. Um, and that's what happened in, you know, in 2015 with the internet society, people all of a sudden had different ideas about mm -hmm. who that board was, how those groups needed to interact, what their expectations were of each other um, and to each other, right? Um, and those are the things that they do last, right? And it's 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 frankly hard to do that. But that's that's what I when people are like, oh, you get a you know, what's the outcome that you seek? You actually have to put those bigger goals up there. Otherwise, you'll do nothing. And if you fail at the big goal, maybe you'll you yeah. know, maybe something. I have a final question. Can I can I can I ask a question? Is it we 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 wrote designed to change, right? That that new book we were talking about. Um, 
And we base that on 500 plus conversations. So from cohort number one to cohort 30, 500 plus people gone, have gone through the program. And like the conversation we had with you in San Diego in the evenings, um, um, remember that vividly, um, we had 500 plus conversations. What could you share with the audience here? How could you, how do you have that conversation with your um, leadership? How, how do you make design relevant? Uh, could you could you share a little bit of your of, of your practices? How do you how, how do you make design and event design relevant um, in your organization? So I think and and I think so. This is going to be a, a long, convoluted answer, but I I think it's important to to draw this out. Um, some organizations I feel are naturally inclined to this thinking path. And some are not. Um, Internet society was naturally inclined to this thinking path. They cared deeply about words and communication and um, and the course of and pathways of change because they needed to do that. They needed to create change. Um, where I went after Internet society was MicroStrategy. When I went into the role, I had the expectation based on the conversations I had with my boss, the person with me, my boss, this was going to be something we were going to do. We were going to create change. And when I arrived, it became clear pretty quickly that this was actually probably not going to be the case. They were not naturally inclined to think this way. Um, and MITRE, I would say, is another place where they are naturally inclined to think this way, um, but they have a hard time doing it. And so I'll, I would caution everyone um, who wants to raise the profile of event design in their organization is to really pay attention to what that culture is, who those people are, um, because I think you would take different tacks in how you bring that thinking to your organization, depending upon who it is. Um, <clears throat> and so what I would say is where I currently am, um, the, the people that are receptive, it's incredibly easy, right? It is so easy because you, you say a quick thing in a meeting, like, you know, what's the outcome that you seek? I was on a meeting yesterday at four o'clock and I said, well, somebody was trying to plan the agenda. And I said, well, you know, we really need to think about and talk about what are the ways we're going to engage this audience. Um, and I said, you know, one of the key things I like to ask groups when we're in these conversations is what is the outcome that you seek? And instantly, one of the people on the phone, he got it. And he said, I want these people to join my coalition. And I was like, boom, we're there. We don't we're like, we can shortcut like 50 things right now because you know exactly what you want. You know exactly the change that you seek. And other times it's really hard because people haven't done that thinking. And if they haven't come to that clarity in their own minds, then that is what I work on first is I get them to think very clearly about their outcome. And that, you know, sometimes I call it exit behavior. Sometimes I call it the outcome. Sometimes I call it what's the change you seek um, to help them go all the way to the end game and then we can turn around and, and find the pathway back to the beginning. Um, so that's, that's what, that's what I do. Um, Nicole, we, we appreciate wow. you for doing that that way. Um, very insightful answer also to this last question. Um, we spun the wheel a second time in the beginning and the thing that came out was wants versus needs, right? So this event owner told you what they wanted but was it really what they needed? And so what we're looking forward to is exploring that in the next conversation. 
but for now, uh, we're going to wrap this one up. Thank you for being the first certified event designer on the Design to Change podcast. I think this is, uh, we reserve that honor for you. Um, and we really appreciate that. We're going to now go off stage, right? Okay. With two, two, two more questions. The first question is, uh, which we asked in the beginning, we're going to send the questions that we asked you also in a little uh, uh, conversational type chat. Okay. And we'd love your reflection seven days later. And that will also then be available to the person, to, to those that listen to this podcast. Okay. And the second thing is, we'd like to throw out the anchor a year forward. Mm -hmm. And after this podcast recording, we're going to invite you for a conversation exactly one year from today. Now, okay. that might not be a suitable date and we might need to change it a little bit, but that will be the next horizon we look forward to, to then kind of um, have a formal, com or formal, a recorded conversation, right? Would that be okay with you? Of course. I love that idea. I mean, I hope we'll talk again before a year from now, oh, but we will, definitely, definitely. We I'll definitely mark my will. calendar. <laughs> <for a year laughs> That's just the long anchor, the long anchor. Yeah, Thank you, Nicole. I would love that. Sure. Thank, Thank you. you. Awesome. Thank you, guys. It's always a pleasure. Come